You are about to receive messages that may be harmful to your mental state. Your sense of reality will be questioned. Your view on things will be altered. You are now part of the Meta. The Meta controls everything. The Meta determines what will and will not happen. You are watching the Meta Show. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Meta Show. I'm Brisk Rubal, and I'm joined here by the man who needs no introduction, the Matani. Hello, hello. As you can see, things are a bit different around the place. I wanted to take a few moments to walk, uh, to talk about this and walk everybody through this redesigned version and format for the Meta Show. For the last five years, the Meta Show has been one of the core programs on the Imperium News Network and INN's predecessor, thematani.com. Each week, thousands of you, thousands of e-players from around the world tuned in to watch the Mitanni, Nistrik, Lazarus Tellraven, and the Big Red Boat as they talked us through New Eat. The ins and out of NullSec politics, the goings-on both inside and outside of EVE Online. I want to say we're all indebted to them for their hard work and dedication. And a special shout-out to my friend Big Red Boat, who was synonymous with this show for the last three years. I'm humbled to be able to join this team, and I'm very much looking forward to working with the Matani and the rest of the INN staff. For those who don't know me, it'll be a pleasure to meet you, and I'm sure we'll get uh, plenty of opportunities to get acquainted over the coming weeks. Uh, but with that and introduction, I want to move to our top story of the week. We're going to talk today about Pearl Abyss's earnings call on November the 8th. So yeah, guys, uh, new format for the Meta Show. I want to welcome Brisk aboard, and uh, we are going to be going through a process here. Uh, it's rare that we do a shakeup like this, and uh, you know we're going to be really looking at people's comments to see what people think about things. Um, but we're going to be diving into a really heavy subject here first for our first top story of the rebooted show, uh, and that is all about what we have figured out from the Pearl Abyss investors call. Uh, and before we dive into that, I'm gonna to explain to you why you should give a shit and why we give a shit and why we're diving into this. So one of the things involving metagames is it's important to understand not just what's happening within EVE Online, but it's important to understand what pressure CCP is under, uh, what pressures Pearl Abyss is under, what are the corporate goals of Pearl Abyss and how do those align with the interests of the player base, right? Uh, one of the reasons why this has been a curiosity for us is that um, many times when a game company is acquired, there is a fear, a quite legitimate fear amongst the players of the properties of the acquired company, uh, that the new ownership is gonna come in and kick over sandcastles and radically change things, and it's gonna be Hello Kitty microtransactions everywhere and God only knows what. Um, but one of the mysteries about the Pearl Abyss acquisition of CCP that still hasn't really been solved is understanding why Pearl Abyss acquired CCP in the first place. Uh, the official discourse uh, revolves around Eve's IP, uh, but we haven't really seen CCP, uh, Pearl Abyss hasn't really touched CCP. They haven't really done anything with this company that they acquired uh, more than a year ago now. So we have attempted uh, to figure that out for some time now, even before they were acquired, we wanted to know why. What was going on? What could we figure out from the financial reports? Uh, and we think that we might have some better answers, but we still don't know. There are big mysteries about this simply because it is not often that a company acquires another company and then doesn't visibly do anything with it. Uh, so as of last week, uh, or actually I should say in this week, as of actually just Thursday, Thursday night U.S. time zone, uh, there was a investor call by Pearl Abyss, who are the owners of CCP Games as of last year. Uh, and uh, it was uh, very detailed, and we wanted to try to dive into that and find out what was going on. And Brisk Rubal did a bunch of research. And uh, Brisk, take it away. What did you uh, find out on this? Well, I, I actually joined the call. It was 8 a.m. Friday, Korea time, but that's 6 p.m. Thursday for American time. So I was able to join the call. 
Uh, it was it was a about an hour long call, which it really was only about a half an hour worth of content because they had English translation, so they would speak in Korean and then speak in English. Uh, one of the interesting things that I, I found in the call was they spoke almost entirely about Black Desert Online, BDO Mobile, and the and the games that Pearl Abyss is putting out, and they did not speak a lot about Eve. Now, the vast majority of what they were able to tell us, and I'll show you on the screen here the, the presentation that they provided, uh, much of this was uh, their earnings presentation, and they talked about how the company is doing. There was one slide that was, I think, important to us EVE players we can talk about here, and this was their portfolio diversification page that talks about revenue by IP. And this is very key for us. It's the first time in years that we have actually seen what kind of revenue EVE Online is generating for CCP and for their parent company. Prior to the purchase of Pearl, Pearl Abyss's purchase of CCP, CCP was privately held. They didn't have to provide any of this information and we, don't ha we didn't have any of it. So this is the first time we've really seen behind the curtains since the PA acquisition because these guys are a publicly traded company and they have to provide this information. And they do that because they want shareholders to, to be confident in the company. So if you can look and see on the chart here, in the third quarter uh, of, of uh, 2019, Eve generated 14.6 billion Korean won uh, from July, that's third quarter, which is July to September. That's a, approximately $12.3 million. And that's a 2% drop from second quarter Eve earnings, which were 14.9 billion won or 12.8 million, which is a difference of approximately half a million dollars. It's about 2%. There was no explanation as to why these numbers went down for CCP. They spent a lot of time talking about BDO Mobile and how uh, third quarter was, was realizing some changes and they had a lot of costs and that, that's why revenue was down. But they didn't talk a lot about why Eve revenue was down. And I think a lot of us were concerned about trying to see whether or not Blackout had a major impact on the company. And I think from what these numbers are indicating, it's too early to tell. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations, Matani and I and, and others have talked about when we can expect to potentially see if there was any financial impact on the company. Uh, and we don't expect to see that until the fourth quarter or the first quarter of 2020. But in addition, there's also other things that they talked about on the call, which I thought were pretty important. They spoke about Eve Echoes. There were some questions from the audience, from the, uh, the investors that were on the call and, and some of the, the financial media asking about Eve Echoes, when it was going to be launched, when the beta was going to start. They indicated that the beta should start by the end of this year. They also talked about uh, issues that they're having in China with licensing Eve Echoes, which, oddly enough, Echoes, the problems that they're having with the Serenity server that we've heard about from CCP before, trying to get a license so that they can get Serenity restarted in China. And then the other thing they noted was that they're going to be uh, launching the Korean localization for EVE November 14th next week in Korea. And they're basically treating this as a relaunch of, of EVE in Korea, and they're expecting a, a, a big push for it. Now, we don't know what kind of impact that's going to have. We don't know what kind of, of of a uh, uh, push they're going to have in terms of marketing in Korea. But if we can even get a small number of, of new players out of this, it should have a, a pretty good impact on the game. So what, do, right. what do you think about this, Matani? Uh, I think a, a lot of things. First of all, let's uh, let's get our pretty faces back here on TV so people uh, can, can uh, ooh and ah over your fantastic suit. Unfortunately, I've there just got my crappy little blazer on here. Uh, excellent. So th there are a couple interesting questions. So first of all, one of the things that... Uh, Dragon Zero is pointing out here in chat regarding this is that, uh, you know, we need to see more charts, we need to see the next slide. Uh, but one of the things that was interesting about that is that we actually don't need to see the next slide. Like you can, uh, we can drop a link to this PDF of uh, uh, the information from this presentation. This is publicly available data. Um, and one of the things that was curious about it is how little there actually was about EVE Online. And the, the stuff involving EVE uh, was also not broken down by the various revenue streams that CCB pulls in, right? So it was basically just, hey, here's the Pearl Abyss Black Desert stuff, here's the Eve stuff. It's not broken down by Eve Echoes. Now, Eve Echoes was one of, uh, out of the things that were discussed on this call, Eve Echoes got a lot of the airtime from, uh, from what it sounded like. Uh, so that kind of tells you part of their direction. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate wildly here. So uh, th this is... Uh, one of the theories that we have had, like when, when Pearl Abyss first acquired uh, CCP, one of the theories was, 
they're going to come in and they're going to turn it into Black Desert Online, and that they are going to start monetizing uh, a whole bunch of different things. They're going to get hands-on. There's going to be microtransactions everywhere, all of this stuff. None of that came to pass. Uh, and, and then we began thinking, uh, okay, well, maybe there's this year-long term after acquiring the company that maybe after the first year we'll start seeing Pearl Abyss starting to do things. Um, but one of the theories that I've heard that actually makes good business sense as to why Pearl Abyss has been so hands-off is this. Uh, and, and this is my current working theory to explain the acquisition. And if I'm right, it's also one of the reasons why we as a player base don't need to worry about this thing all that much, uh, which is this. Um, before, about a year before Pearl Abyss acquired CCP, they had an IPO, uh, an initial public offering. They made a shitload of money from going public in Korea. They had ended up with like, uh, I forgot the exact number, but it was north of like a billion dollars lying around that they needed to go then put somewhere. And this is where I think the answer of these things uh, go. If you end up, uh, this is essentially a tax shelter or tax advantage strategy or just a asset distribution strategy where if you suddenly have a very successful IPO and you have all of this money, you want to do something with it. You want to invest it uh, to essentially park that value there it, under the theory that, well, we can put you know, between 300 and 400 million dollars, or probably a lot less than that, but somewhere between the 200 and 400 number into this spaceship game company. Uh, and maybe there will be some revenue streams down the line from, uh, you, you know, having a mobile version of Eve. Eve Echo seems to be clearly what they're interested in. Um, but this would actually make sense if they want to park the money in a game that has been stable for 15 years. So the thing that's weird about Eve suddenly becomes an advantage if you want to shelter a whole bunch of money safely, right? Which is actually really kind of funny from a blackout perspective, because if the Koreans were like, hey, we've got a billion dollars, we can park 300 to 400 of it in EVE. EVE has lasted for 15 years. We don't have to worry about EVE going away tomorrow. And then, you know, just in the run up to the one year mark after the acquisition, uh, there's all this blackout flailing stuff, which my personal theory is that, you know, I've said this before, they're chasing a shareholder bonus from the, the original acquisition that didn't go through. Um, so there could have been a great irony if the blackout had actually torpedoed the game, if the original motive of Pearl Abyss was to shelter their assets internationally in a safe company that has been perfectly stable with relatively stable revenue values for a long ass time. Uh, and totally wouldn't be run into the ground at the last minute due to people listening to uh, Reddit too much. Oops. I don't know. That, that, that's my pet theory, Bruce. What do you, what do you think about all no, this? And I, I think you're absolutely right in regards to what they were trying to do. I think it's clear that the company was looking for... I mean, BDO, if you look back, they made a billion dollars in like four years on this Black Desert Online IP, and they had a ton of cash. They're sitting on it. What do you do with that? Well, you can let it sit there. That's not helping anything. You can expand... But if you expand too much without new content, then you just got a bunch of overhead and you're wasting money. So what do these? What do most of these companies do? They go start acquiring new companies, and so they look for, I think, and what you said before, and I agree with you, they're looking for a solid, long-term company that's had a good track record, has an IP that has steady income, and that's CCP. I mean, that that is what CCP is. And if you look, we finally have data, quarter four of, of 2018, which is only a partial quarter. That generated 12.8 billion won, which is something like 10 10 million dollars. That was from the middle of October when the deal went through until the end of the year. First quarter 14.5, second quarter 14.9, third quarter 14.6. They can count on CCP to generate around 12 million to 13 million dollars every quarter. That's a lot of money, and that's a good return on their investment. That's what they're asking to do. And I think personally, we're not going to see any major changes, any, any major finger sticking of, of Pearl Abyss into CCP's internal operations as long as they're hitting their numbers. These guys don't care. They're not going to come in and try to tell people how to change the meta or do little tiny things or fire this person or move this person around. They're only going to care if all of a sudden CCP's not generating the revenue that it was before. And then I think they're going to start asking questions. We haven't seen evidence of that yet. Yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot here. So one of the... the, the uh, one of the common theories is something that uh, Skeptic Nerd Guy just uh, brought up here in chat, which is that 
Uh, and this was a theory that I had heard pitched and was one of the things that I thought about, but it never really sat with me right. The, the theory was that Pearl Abyss might have acquired CCP because they wanted insight into how to sustain a community long term, right? Because they have yes. Black Desert Online, which is the single shard thing. Uh, but there's a few reasons why I don't actually think that that's a decent explanation. Uh, first of all, uh, it is uh, simply a cultural one, right? Like what works for a mostly Western European uh, culture-based game uh, and the unique aspects of EVE Online don't necessarily translate over to uh, Black Desert Online, which is their primary revenue-generating property. Uh, the, the second thing is, is that if they had acquired EVE Online in order to learn things about how to better manage their own and, and sustain a persistent community, we would have seen many more fingerprints from Pearl Abyss management over this title, right? Like, we would have seen more... Uh, questions, more intervention, more interviews, more testing, more meeting with the community of EVE Online if community uh, sustenance was really sort of the goal. Um, so, so far, the, the best theory that I have seen uh, as to why Pearl Abyss would buy CCP and then not mess with it is precisely the fact that CCP, uh, if you look at the business history of CCP and what we used to have up until they, uh, they basically recapitalized uh, several of their their loans um, three or four years ago, you got to see Hilmar and the crew go out to I believe it was a, a Taiwanese game development uh, thing uh, involving virtual reality, and they got a bunch of money in, and they basically got away from some of the Icelandic creditors and investors that they had. While they were under uh, this Icelandic financing regime, we actually got to see uh, public reports of CCP's data and financials. And we would analyze them for years every time they would come out. And then after they refinanced some of these loans or whatever it was that they did, recapitalized, I'm not a high finance guy, but this is what I thought was going on, uh, then they went dark for a couple of years. So now one of the things that's so exciting to us, uh, if you're a big nerd about this shit like I am, uh, is that the Pearl Abyss financials allow us to look into what CCP is doing again. And back in the day when we had these numbers, uh, we would be able to see EVE Online is a golden goose of profit. Like this is a thing that it's got relatively high margins, right? It doesn't really cost all that much to make EVE Online. It doesn't cost all that much to maintain EVE Online. Uh, for many years there, it was shitting out $20 million of revenue, right? Uh, and we're seeing here quarterly, we're getting about 12.2, 12.3. Like those are great numbers. And the tragedy from a business perspective, as far as I was concerned, is, uh, you know, if you've seen previous meta shows, you guys have seen me rant about digital extremes uh, as a example of, uh, of Warframe and all the wonderful things that those guys have done with it. Um, did I say digital extremes right? I forgot the IP you, of You did. Warframe. Okay, good. Um, but that is an example of a, a single product company where they plow all the revenue they get from their main product, that being Warframe, back into updating and improving Warframe. And sometimes it works, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But there's this continual reinvestment in their golden goose. And one of the things that has always annoyed me as like this tragic waste of resources is, is that CCP, before they were acquired by Pearl Abyss, would take this revenue instead of going the digital experience pathway and reinvesting in EVE Online, uh, would continually take the egg from the golden goose and then try to create, you know, uh, I, I liked the Dust by 14 project. I thought that the exclusivity agreement that they made such that it would only be on PS3 was one of the most disastrous business moves imaginable. Uh, Everybody kind of saw that coming a mile away, and they still went with it. Uh, but, you know, the expansion into VR that didn't go anywhere, the uh, buying the White Wolf property and then fucking it up, and that didn't go anywhere, and then the Dust 514 thing and wasting a bunch of money on that and fucking it up uh, in, instead of reinvesting that. So it makes a lot more sense that Pearl Abyss would look at this thing and say, okay, well, if we keep these guys from not pissing away all the revenue on projects that are doomed from the start due to poor management or whatever it was, uh, then we can park, you know, between two and $4 million from our IPO in this company and it will be a safe and stable investment. And I bet you they did not see the blackout coming. That was, <laughs> that was, that was not something that Pearl Abyss was, uh, was, was planning for, uh, if I had to guess. And I think we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see next quarter when they do their investor call if we do start to see some of the lagging indicators of people, you know, the ones that have claimed. And it's, it's very common people claim that they're quitting the game or they're not going to sub their accounts. Uh, and typically the, mo the most usual 
uh, sub that people have is a three-month sub. So they can say in August or September they're going to stop subbing, and they're still going to have pay paid through December. So we're not going to start seeing, I think, a lot of the impact of blackout until you know fourth quarter, first quarter next year. And then at that point, they'll be able to figure out, well, maybe we shouldn't have done this. Uh, but at the same time, I think you're also looking at, you got the Korean launch, November 14th. That's going to be a big deal. If they can ever get the Chinese to get the license so they can launch Serenity again, that'll be more income. And the other thing I think is important to note, the information that we have from the Pearl Abyss call only talks about EVE Online IP revenue. It doesn't talk about any other CCP revenue. We do know they have other revenue streams. They've got Spark. They've still got EVE Valkyrie. Uh, I, I don't know if they would count that as an EVE Online IP-based thing, but it is a different game. Uh, they still have some of those, uh, those streams coming in. So they, CCP may have more revenue than, we, than we're seeing captured on this, on, this, uh, uh, on this call, but we just don't have the granularity of the data to be able to say so. But I think we all got to keep our eyes out and see what's going on. But at least as far as we can tell, things are pretty steady for the company. And I think that in, in the end is a good thing for us as EVE players. And I think it's a good thing for CCP as a, as a company. Yeah, and we're about to move on here to the NullSec Power Hour, but just sort of in closing on this, uh, you know, if there's anything that, you know, I, I don't know if you guys who are now watching the Review of Meta Show, if you expected to get, like, uh, just blitzed by a whole bunch of, like, high finance kind of stuff, but, like, at the top level of the metagame, especially if you've ever been on the CSM, a lot of it comes down to kind of, like, Kremlin watching, but instead of Kremlin watching during the Cold War, it's more what's happening in the C-suite at CCP, what's happening at the C-suites of these other gaming companies, uh, because you end up being concerned primarily with these uh, essentially extinction level threats to the game, right? Like if the game gets acquired and another company comes in and flips the table over and ruins it, then you know, then none of us have space empires anymore, and so that's kind of important. So if there's any takeaway from this, if you if your eyes just glazed over from all this like business metagame shit, uh, the one takeaway that I get from uh, this investor call is that Eve is still profitable. Eve is actually doing pretty well. Maybe we will see that three-month sub drop-off next quarter, but I don't want that. I want EVE to continue to be the golden goose and to shit out money, and uh, at the very least, even if they didn't really, if they didn't talk about EVE Online specifically, they spoke, they spoke mostly about EVE Echoes, that's good news for the player base, because it means they're not going to be messing with EVE. EVE is still profitable, that's very good news for the player base, uh, because it means it's even less likely that they will mess with EVE. Uh, and if it is true that their focus is primarily to shelter assets after a very successful IPO, and that they are not trying to do some sort of community management, uh, sort of let's dissect CCP and find out what their secret sauce is, uh, I think that's also good for us. Like EVE players want to be left alone to kill each other in a big galaxy. And we want CCP, uh, we want the EVE property specifically to be quite profitable. Uh, and sustainable. So uh, th that, that's really sort of my um, my closing thoughts on this. Agreed. And, and my, I would say my closing thoughts are, are, are along similar lines. I mean, the bottom line for us is none of us would be here. None of these shows would exist. None of these groups and, and groups of friends that we have would even be around if it wasn't for CCP and EVE Online. It's on our best interest for the company to do well. It's our best interest to make sure that you know, we're tracking this stuff and that, as, as, as Matani said, you know, th these things do have an impact on the meta. And when it comes down to it, if the company is 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 not profitable, if they're feeling the crunch, if they're if, if they're under stress because they're trying to, to to raise money and do things, they're going to start making changes to the game, and they're going to start making changes to the monetization scheme for the game that will have an impact that we may or may not like, and that 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 we have to be able to see that coming before it happens because it does have an impact on in-game stuff. So that's why we do what we're doing. So we hope you guys enjoyed our uh, our high-end economic analysis of, of the Pearl Abyss uh, call. And uh, I think it's time for us to move on to some more economic stuff. How about that? Indeed. All right. NullSec Power Hour. I wish I had a cool transition for this, but we're still in the process of, of redoing some of our transitions. So I'm just going to uh, talk about it. Yeah. Before we get into this, we need to get some shout-outs. So one of the things we want to revise here, and we, again, like bear with us, guys. It's the first time that it's been a brisk admittance tag team. Uh, but we want to give some shout outs for people who have been subscribers uh, doing this. We want to stop interrupting the herfing of blurfs. We were, were going to herf lots of blurfs on the meta show in case you couldn't tell because we just spent like 25 minutes analyzing uh, a shareholder call. So fucking strap in. Uh, but we do want to thank people who have been supporting uh, our channel here. So King Iris uh, just subbed. Also had some interesting notes and comments about the shift to mobile, which I think is accurate. 
Uh, and then scrolling back here, BIM 1111, we also have, I hope my scroll back doesn't cut people off. God damn it. All right. So I'm going to have to get. Uh, I've, got the, I've got the rest of them for you. Oh, you got the rest of it, Briss? So, so, so I want to say thanks to Morkfang, Faria, Dragonzer, uh, Eve Drusus Nero, uh, Beth, Beth Hale, 45 months. Wow. Thank you. We appreciate that. Little Soken, that's a new sub. Uh, Rallo Samiris, 43 months, total newbie. Seabass Unique, Oaken Ralph for 24 months, the mop. Unikubi Zakuri, and Big Red Bear. So thank you guys for being a part of the Meta Show. We appreciate it. Hell yeah. So second topic of the day. The other big news that we received last week was the September monthly economic report. Actually, it should be say the October monthly economic report. Uh, we're going to throw this up on the screen real quick just to show you guys. You can scroll down here. Uh, those of you who have not seen it, I strongly urge you to go check it out. Typically, in the past, what we've done on the show, or at least what, what we've, we've seen, is people talking about, well, look, Delve's number one again, and, and De Declan's coming back, and where is all this going? But I want to I talk a little more high level about it this time, because I think you know, there, there's some, some information that we've teased out, and I want to I give a shout-out to Dirk Satil and Rivery and uh, uh, Jurius Doctor, who worked, on, with, on us, uh, worked with us on this, uh, to talk about some of the, the more inside pre-blackout, post-blackout, what does this mean for the New Eden economy and, and the stuff, the data we were able to, to tease out from the, from the report. And we'll talk a little bit about that now. So I think the first thing I want to say is, at least as far as we, we have been able to determine, the data confirms that New Eden was entering a recession even before the blackout hit in mid-July. And I think we saw a, a slight trend. The body numbers the body numbers, the ratting numbers were dropping. And I think that was probably the result of the anomaly changes and the super changes that had been put in to try to reduce the number, uh, the amount of ISK that was entering the game. That was working and it was having you know, a ripple effect on a lot of things in, in, in NullSec and then later throughout New Eden. The blackout comes in and ratting activity just drops off like massive amounts. And we saw that for two solid months. Now, post blackout, Ratting numbers are have completely rebounded. They are back where they were, uh, June level numbers uh, across across of NullSec. So that's that's a good sign. At least the economy is starting to, to 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 get back to where it needs to be. On the other hand, mining income is still down considerably from where it was in June, and it's way it's up, but it's not up where it needs to be to be getting us back in the economy section where we should be where we were before prior to the blackout. So right now, the other thing we're noticing besides mining volumes being down, trade volumes are still lower than they were previous months, and they're starting to tick back up slowly. So trades down from 887 trillion in June, it's now 625 trillion now. That's an uptick from 400, 594 trillion last month, but it's only a slight uptick. The forge in terms of trade has dropped 21% uh, from August to September. And it looks like, based on what we've been able to tell, there are a lot of places in NullSec, a lot of places around LowSec and HighSec, where the trading has simply stopped moving as fast as it did. We had anecdotal evidence that folks that were typically refreshing orders uh, in, in some of the big market hubs, secondary market hubs, Amar, Dixie, places like that, that instead of doing it every day or every couple hours, they were able to do it every couple of days. And that indicates that things are slowing down. Now, some people would sit here and cry and say, oh, you know, the sky is falling, the economy is dying. But those of us on the Meta Show, we see this. This is an opportunity. Right now, we, I think based on the data that we have seen, we are at the bottom end of the recession, the bottom end of this J-curve. And I think things are going to start picking back up. So if you are a market PVPer who's been trying to figure out how to break into the markets, if you are a production guy who's trying to figure out if you can break into something, now is the time to start investing and to start going out there and making your moves because there's an opportunity now. Prices are low. Plex value has dropped. It dropped precipitously during the blackout. It's starting to come back up a little bit, but it's relatively low. You're seeing production volumes are relatively low. Mining volumes are still relatively low. They're coming back, but that, that means there's opportunity. And folks who may have been concerned that they were going to get pushed out by the big guys, the big guys aren't around as much. 
or at least if they are, they're not doing what they had been doing a couple months ago. And that I think creates a lot of opportunity for newer, newer folks who want to get involved in this to do that. So if I were Jim, if this were, you know, mad money and I was Jim Cramer, I'd be saying, guys, buy, you got to go out there and buy. This is a great time. Well, uh, one of the things about this, uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and uh, use an extremely vulgar analogy to describe kind of what I think is happening with the, the EVE economy and, and the way that the player base has been approaching things. Uh, I, I know that um, a lot of you guys, again, uh, we went from shareholder stuff to economics. This is not always going to be a shareholder and economics show, uh, but these are some of the topics that I think are very relevant to the player base currently, whether they like it or not. Uh, you are in this swimming pool, uh, and there you go. So here we go, vulgar analogy time. Uh, I actually just inflicted this upon the directorate in an Illuminati meeting uh, not too long ago. Uh, the reality is is that EVE Online, imagine the player base being like a bunch of people together in a swimming pool, a public swimming pool. Everybody's swimming around, people are throwing uh, you know, water fights, You know, people being silly or whatever. Um, and then some idiot comes and takes a huge dump in the pool, right? And everybody runs for cover and jumps out of the pool because there's shit in the pool. And basically, in my mind, uh, blackout was shitting in the pool. And you saw this economically. Uh, you saw this, I believe we might see this in the next quarter's revenue, generate, revenue data as well. Uh, people canceled a lot of three-month subscriptions. Uh, but basically, uh, they took a dump in the pool and everybody jumped out of it. Uh, and what we see now is essentially as the blackout has ended and people have eased off and the PCU numbers started going back up, uh, is essentially, I, I know a bunch of EVE players who have like nine or 10 accounts and they have resubbed like one or two. So everybody's like, okay, the shit is not in the pool. The dude that took a dump in a pool, if it was whoever it was, whoever was responsible for any of the blackout crap, uh, we don't have to, we're not sure whether there's going to be more shit in the pool, but we think... The danger is passed, the water is clean, the lifeguard told us it's okay. So you have a bunch of people like sitting around the edge of the pool with like their feet in the water, but they don't want to fucking jump all the way back into the pool because they're worried that some idiot is going to take a shit in the pool again and they're going to have to jump out of it and they don't want to get covered in shit, right? Um, so that's basically uh, where I think we are today. And we're, we're seeing this reflected in uh, the MER. We're seeing this partially reflected in the revenue. Like people want to get back in the pool. They want to... Uh, swim around they want to kill each other they want to you know do whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna drop the the pool shitting analogy for now because you guys get the idea but right now what i think people are worried about is uh in lawyer land we would call it regulatory risk like people don't want to invest and commit to a big project if it's going to be like hey guys age of chaos is back and i'm going to take another dump of the pool um but i think slowly people are realizing uh that you know, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fucking cheerleader. I'm not going to be up here and saying, "Hey guys, jump in the pool," because you know, for all I, I don't want to get shit all over me either, right? So, but I, I think we need to acknowledge the situation we're in. The indicators of the economy are going up. It does look like this recession is beginning to bottom out. Uh, if we understand Pearl Abyss's motives with CCP, it is safer to get back into the pool because if Pearl Abyss bought CCP because they want a stable revenue generating game i.e one that is not going to get driven into a ditch randomly with a shit in the pool blackout kind of scenario then it's safer for us to get back in because if pearl abyss wants stability and continued revenue generation in the way that ccp has been successfully doing for more than a decade now uh then uh it indicates that there is less risk of uh stupid bullshit coming down the pipe uh and i think that finding out that rise uh, ccp rise has been uh given uh, a badge to basically fight crime while the rest of the uh, team Talos and the, the rest of the dev team is working on, uh, you know, the new player experience. Uh, that indicates to me that there is, and I hope, you know, I, I could be wrong about this, guys. And so I'm not going to say this is 100%, but I, I hope that the, the risk of pool shooting is out of the way and that we can get back into the pool and start splashing around and murdering each other. You know, and I think I think the important thing to realize and at least to recognize is, is that, yes, you know, we don't want to be stuck in the pool if somebody's taking a dump in there. But, you know, it could just be a candy bar. So there are going to be times when everybody's going to freak out and think this is a bad thing. But the reality is the changes are not going to have as big an impact as as we all think they're going to have. And in the end, we look back and we think, OK, well, this wasn't as big a deal. And I, my perfect example of that is the sino changes. I think we're all very concerned that the Sino changes were going to have a massive impact on ratting income, on where we move Titans, on how we do other things. And the reality is, it hasn't made a big difference. 
everybody has started training their alternative recon ships. We started making sure we have extra sinos available. Uh, but all the stuff that, that needed to happen, uh, that everybody was concerned was not going to happen, has happened. So now that change, which was viewed as a huge, massive chaos changeup, has really done nothing but add another layer of, of uh, busy work for FCs and folks who are trying to move stuff around. It didn't have the impact that we thought it was going to have. And I think that's one of the concerns that I'm hoping that the blackout, they recognize when you do something that has such a major impact on the economy, that is going to hit people in their wallets and that's where they're going to walk. But if you make balance changes, basic balance changes, even changes to the, to the in-game meta that don't involve massive changes to somebody's income stream, we're going to be able to weather those and that's not going to start you know, people sending their way out to the exits. So I'm hoping that whatever happens in terms of chaos in the next couple of months, that at least none of it is going to have the same kind of economic impact directly on the players that Blackout did. Now, the bad thing is, and you alluded to this in the fireside earlier, Matani, is we can't go and start a major war if we don't know what the rules of the war are going to be before it happens. So you can't go out there and start planning all these massive invasions and picking fights and doing the types of things that we want to do to create content if we don't know for sure that the rug is not going to get pulled out from under us like it was at the end of the Tribute War. So I think that's one thing I wish CCP would focus on when you make these changes, is you got to realize when you make big changes that you want to shake up the meta, you're also shaking up the sandbox and the things that the players are trying to put together and do that create content that keep people playing the game. There has to be a, a, a medium, a, a good balance uh, to the balance changes. And I think right now, some of the heavy-handed stuff has, has not been uh, as, as successful at doing that as we would like to, it to have been. One of, the, one of the comments I want to touch on here from chat is, uh, and I have to handle this carefully too, because, uh, so Ugzug says, CCP Rise is just like Falcon though, a sub-capitally PVPer. I'm skeptical if it's a good thing that uh, Rise has been given a badge. Um, and I need to touch this, uh, I need to deal with this carefully because if I seem like I'm a huge Rise fanboy and I like cheerlead and rah-rah a bunch, then people will say, oh, Rise is in the Matani's pocket or something like that. Um, but the reality is, is that Rise is sort of now in the same position that uh, Unifex and Soundwave were in, uh, as Caleb was pointing out in chat earlier, uh, in the aftermath of the Incarnate Crisis. Basically, we have, as a community, as a player base, and with CCP as a company, has weathered another Incarnate Crisis, and we are in the post-Incarna sort of cleanup phase. Uh, Rise has been enabled to have a badge and fight crime. Uh, and, and a lot of the things that have been discussed already involving the jump bridge nerf, uh, for example, is something that uh, directly impacts the, the, the great empires, including uh, the Imperium. Uh, and, you know, I'm in favor of smart nerfs. Like the key thing that we need, I think, as, as a player base is the narrative engine of Eve having an intriguing universe that draws in lots of players who have like weak social ties to each other, don't really know each other. And then the struggles within Eve Online create situations, win or lose. And in many cases, losing a war actually creates even stronger ties than winning a war, uh, then brings people together in these sort of intentional tribes. People find their people, not necessarily in the Imperium. They find you know, they, they want to join a low-sec group. They want to, they want to be wormhole people. They, they find their tribe, and Eve is this engine of creating these ties through this struggle in this weird-ass science fiction game that we play. Um, and, and so we need that struggle. Stagnation is death, not only for the, the, the blocks and the player groups, uh, but for the game itself. And, and, and so, essentially, I don't want to say, like, rise is the best thing ever in terms of like the imperium's current power level like we're probably going to eat a shitload of nerfs and i think that's fine as long as they're smart nerfs like the you know it's the the, the classic obama answer regarding like the iraq war is i'm you know, not against all war i'm just not against like stupid wars and we're going to leave that all off to the side uh but uh when it comes to like things like the blackout like i'm in favor of a lot of nerfs and a lot of changes and i do expect to see a lot of changes coming from rise uh, that will impact the Imperium and Nullsec, um, you know, and I'm, I'm in favor of a lot of things that are considered to be nerfs. Like, I don't like asset safety. I think asset safety is fucking stupid. There's a bunch of things like that that people think that I'm like some sort of big, oh, don't take my power away or whatever. Like, asset safety is new. Uh, I think Titans and Super Carrier should just be deleted. Shit like that. Um, I'm in favor of uh, sensible nerfs, not uh, take a shit in the pool nerfs. So uh, that's basically my view on... Uh, the situation with Rise, and uh, we wish him the best. He is 
uh, now in the scenario, just like CCB Unifex was in, in the aftermath of Incarna, where he and his team have to clean up a colossal mess that was not his fault and not his team's fault. These guys did not take a shit in the pool. It is sort of up to us to recognize that and try to support them and rally around them, uh, even if you know our jump bridges you know, have minor nerfs to them, because having a Keepstar being able to guard a jump bridge forever is just a stupid idea in the first place, right? Like, I was never like, oh, wow, jump bridges should totally have total coverage from, from Keepstars being able to defend them. Like, it's just, it's silly, right? It, it, I'm sorry, it's silly. Um, so yeah, we, we really do wish him all the best. And that's my take on that. And I, and I agree. I think we all are hoping that Rise is going to be able to do what he needs to do. I think my biggest concern is the level of resources that Team Talos is going to have to make these changes. Because when, when it comes down to it, a lot of the stuff that we're concerned about, these are not dial changes that you can just you know flip a switch and, and make a move and suddenly you know the Widow has more power grid. You know, or, or the Nurgle has a, a slightly longer range that makes it a little more useful. Now, these are these are the, the big types of issues that are really causing a lot of the pain points in Eve right now in Nullsec in particular. These are things like citadels in general, the ability to uh, have constant tether. You have you know, the, basically time zone tanking is, is another massive thing that they have to figure out, and there's no really easy good solution. And you're going to have design issues that are not simply you know something that a development team can just do by changing dials. And I, I get concerned that. The types of changes and the quick iteration that Rise has promised, or at least has suggested that he wants to do, I don't want to. I don't really want to use the P word because I don't want to back him into a corner. But the things that they have said that they want to do, that they that they're hoping that they'll be able to achieve, which is quick two week turnarounds to, to major things. You know, a, a lot of this stuff is is, is going to take the longer term three or four months. You know, hardcore game design push. To get something accomplished, and 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 that's going to be what we need to do in some of these major areas. So I think the CSM is going to have an important role to play in the Spring Summit and next year, of trying to highlight at least for CCP what we think you know the 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 main player issues are that that need to be addressed, need to have resources dumped towards them. And I would say at least on the top of my list would be citadels, time zone tanking in particular, and then number two. I think LOSEC absolutely needs a complete revamp. They have not had any kind of real focus in a long time. Faction Warfare in particular, uh, every time I've talked to these guys, they've always said, well, we, it's, it's close. It's close to the top. We're getting up. We're almost there. It's almost number one. But if it never gets to number one, it never gets any attention. And thus, things have just been stagnating out there for three years since Citadel started. So I think some of these things, they really need to put the resources around these major changes because this is what's driving some of the stagnation and if we can do that and fix some of these problems then i think you'll see a resurgence in nullsec activity but that being said you know at the end of the day this is ccp's decision and as far as we can tell from what we've seen from the csm minutes what we've seen from the presentations during the eve world tour particularly in vegas it sounds to me they are focusing number one on as they say ending the stupid and trying to, to, to bring in new players to the game and keep them longer than seven days or 30 days. And number two, a very small amount of effort led by Rise is gonna be focused on, on core gameplay, which they have basically renamed veterans into core players. So they're gonna be doing that stuff. But I mean, honestly, unless they give some kind of, of development time beyond dial changes and small things to, to Talos, and they, and they provide some real game design support, uh, for some of these major issues, I, it's going to be an uphill struggle to get some of these things fixed. Yeah, and I think uh, before we transition to the, the next segment of the show, uh, Cool Kids mode is still going to be a thing, and uh, we're going to be transitioning to that in a moment. Um, but basically, I, I think that it's going to be a lot easier for us as a player base to get back in the pool if we all acknowledge that a lot of us are or know people that are skittish. Uh, and that are partially resubscribed. And if we all realize that everybody else is kind of like, you know, sitting on the edge of the pool, if we're like, hey, like our concerns are all sort of shared, we're all sort of worried about the same kind of thing, it, it will make it easier for us collectively uh, to get back to playing the game collectively uh, and, and having fun in it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I want people to understand that when we're talking about these things, and I'm using these very vulgar analogies about stuff, that I, I think that it's actually better for the game and makes it easier for us to 
reconnect with Eve if we all understand and acknowledge that like this blackout thing happened. It was a big disaster. It resulted in mass unsubs, uh, and that we want to get back to Eve, and we're all a little worried, but it's going to be okay. Uh, at least all the indications we have seen thus far indicate that things are headed in uh, a positive direction. And and this is one of the reasons why we started the show this time from the the business perspective, right? Because it you need to know why things are headed in the direction that they are, right? Like if somebody tells you everything's great, like let's just start playing again, everything's going to be fine, uh, they could just be blowing smoke up your ass. But we know now our best theory as to why Pearl Abyss acquired CCP is that they want stable revenue generation such that they can invest some of the money they made from their IPO into various assets because you don't want to have that much liquid because that can be taxed or otherwise taken away from you for a variety of reasons. So you distribute your assets after an IPO, they acquire CCP. Why would they want CCP? Well, now we have a theory which seems to work. Uh, they would acquire CCP because it has stable revenue generation for more than a decade involving this one game that isn't going anywhere. And their focus appears to be on mobile and possibly console, but really the Eve Echoes thing. So park the assets in CCP. That also means for us in the player base, we now know that the owners of CCP have a motive towards stability and order, goddammit. Not chaos, order, right? We know that Pearl Abyss wants order, and we know the player base wants order, then it's a lot safer to get back in the pool. So now we're going to go into uh, Cool Kids mode, and before I do, I'm going to do some shout-outs for uh, our dudes who subscribed while uh, we were running our mouths, and uh, I was uh, making vulgar analogies. So Commander Aze, uh, and Ron Began for uh, 35 months, uh, Nominate 52 months, uh, Loquacious 7, uh, Bleezy 123, and... Uh, Let's see if I missed anybody else here. Nope, that looks like about it. So I'm going to shift things. Oh, and January Valentine. Uh, also, thank you, 16 months. Uh, so I'm going to shift us into cool kids mode. And uh, let's uh, get to our next story while I do. All right. So the third story today is, I think, uh, one that a lot of players are going to be surprised about, but also a lot of players are not going to be surprised about. And that was the announcement on Friday that CCP Falcon has left the company. Uh, for those of you who didn't see, he, he put a, a post up on Twitter, and I'll, I'll put it on the screen here for us. Take a look at it. He said, basically, after seven years, he's docking up, and he's going to off to find his next, uh, his next challenge. Uh, he spent 17 years playing EVE. He was a beta player, and he played for a long time before he joined CCP. And he doesn't know what he's going to do next, but he will be playing the game uh, and hanging around with us, and, and he welcomes anybody that wants to talk to him to come back. So I know this announcement that Falcon made Friday uh, came after a couple of weeks of speculation, including some speculation we had here on the Meta Show last week. Uh, we had noticed across the forums that his, his name had disappeared from CCP's website. Uh, he wasn't listed on the forums as a developer for the developer posts. And that was odd given that other folks who had left the company like CCP Guard and CCP Seagull were still listed there. Uh, and we just stopped seeing him making a lot of posts about the game. There were some issues or concerns people had about him leaving Vegas, but I had spoken to him and knew that that was a family issue and wasn't related to this. But there was questions about whether or not he was going to be with the company anymore. And I think uh, the reality was we, we found out Friday that he's no longer going to be with the company. Uh, and I think that's, that's very interesting. And we have reached out specifically to the CCP community team and asked them for comment. And uh, as of right now, we have not heard back. So we don't know what that means. It could just be they don't want to talk about personnel issues or they don't have a formal statement, uh, but we haven't heard directly from CCP about this. All we've seen is that Falcon has left the company. So goodbye, CCP Falcon. Welcome back, Verone. That's his uh, in-game persona, and uh, hopefully we'll be looking forward to flying with you again soon. Yeah, we, we, we wish him all the best. I think that uh, Verone uh, Vito Corp has a very long and storied history in EVE Online. Uh, and Eve wouldn't really be Eve without uh, Verone and Vito in some capacity, be it an official capacity with CCP uh, or otherwise. So, um, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I want to I want to talk about here, uh, you know, we we don't want to touch on any. You know, there's all this drama and speculation on Reddit. And one of the reasons why we didn't uh, go forward with any discussion about this last week when Boat brought it up was, you know, again, fact checking is important, and we didn't want to. Uh, create a controversy over something that is somebody's real life, right? Um, 
but one of the things, so moving on from that, basically, uh, we are in Cool Kids mode. We still want to do this. Uh, it's a way to reward our subscribers. And one of the things that we want to do uh, is get feedback from people about where we're, uh, where we could go with the show. Uh, you know, the people that have subscribed to the show are the subscribed to the channel, I should say, uh, are the ones that are more invested in where we go with this. So if you guys are like, hey, mittens and brisk, why don't you guys talk about blah, blah, blah. Let us know what you'd like us to discuss. Uh, it, it, you know, uh, we're running out of time here for this show, but we can answer questions. But then going forward, like this is a work in progress. Uh, we are basically interested in updating the show for 2020 and being able to uh, cover topics that are of interest to our community. So, um, you know, yeah, there you guys go. Uh, let us know what you're interested in. If there's something that you would like us to discuss, please let us know, uh, and we will uh, dive into that. Um, yeah. So, uh, and yes, I'm the big, red, the big, the red, big red brisk. brisk. There you go. I gotta wear a red tie next time, so people. Uh, uh, we we gotta we got be able to match up. Uh, exactly. Well, you know, I was I was sort of channeling both spirit with my uh, my terrible uh, pool analogy. Uh, but yeah, we still have a little bit more time, so if people have questions for us. Uh, I am going to uh, sort of open things up a bit. We don't really have too much actual uh, null sec news this go round. Uh, we are kind of. Uh, looking to see some wars kick off. Uh, things have been pretty quiet uh, on a number of fronts. There was, I believe, an official declaration of victory uh, from Vili uh, regarding the conflict that Legacy was involved in, uh, and Test is going to be undeploying and, uh, and heading home. Uh, so that's basically about it in terms of like big nullsec news. Uh, Brisk, anything else? Uh, uh, I think have you what we've been hearing through the great the only, the only thing I wanted to highlight and and we talked about this uh, a couple of days ago but I think one of the things that we are noticing it, it started a couple months ago we saw skill yourself disbanding we saw snuffed out disbanding about two or three weeks ago and then this week waffles decided to disband uh, and Reza uh, put out a, a post basically saying that they're going to he, he had real life commitments he wasn't able to, to run the alliance the way that he had in the past so that they were going to move Snigwafa out and they ended up joining Pandemic Horde, and then the, the more active players would join Woods Corp, uh, and they and that's how they would end up, you know, basically ended up weed-outing into, into, into pan, uh, Pandemic Horde. And one of the things I, I think we've been trying to talk about for a while is what the impact is of losing the smaller to medium-sized PvP groups in NullSec, and whether or not that was a bad thing in general, or whether it was going to have a major impact on on the blue donut and the potential for future conflict, uh, when a lot of these smaller groups, who typically have been the ones that are generating a lot of the small game content in Nullsec, when those guys are gone, what happens? And I think we've noticed, and Jay Amazingness was looking at the numbers. It seems as though Waffle characters or former Waffles characters that are in Horde saw a big uptick in their activity after they joined Horde. And that tells me that when you are in a smaller alliance, when you're in a mid-level alliance, and you're doing a lot of the grudge work and, and, and the, the drudging constant logistics and moving ships around and doing this and doing that that's not involved with playing the game and having fun with your friends and blowing up spaceships, that that can really grate on people. And that when they are, when all of that's taken away and they join a larger group that has infrastructure in place that lets you do all of this stuff, all of a sudden you're back to doing what you like doing and you're playing the game and you're having fun again. So I, I, I'm not, I will not at all be surprised as we see, you know, a, a lot of these smaller groups deciding to fold into the big groups that we're going to see an uptick in, in some, in, in a lot of these uh, activities, especially on the fringes of Null and the areas where the big groups are and where there's friction points. And I think that's a good thing for the game. Uh, I know some people would disagree with me. They don't like seeing the smaller groups go away. And groups like Waffles and Snuffed Out and, and Skill U, they had long histories and Skill U was pizza before. And uh, and some of the groups in Snuffed Out have, have either moved around, they've either gone to low sec, or they're still in low sec from where they were before. I think adversity is, has recreated tissue. So uh, some of these groups are, are, are going to be around doing different things and they haven't joined the big groups, but some of them did. And I think that that's going to be an interesting to play to see who else ends up folding and moving into some of these big groups. Yeah, I, I think this is a topic that we're going to dig into on a, a future meta show because it, it's something that we see in these galactic cycles of expansion and contraction. Uh, and there's a lot to dig into here. So I guess I'll, I'll rant for a little bit and give people sort of a preview of our thinking. Um, 
this is something January Valentine asked me a question uh, related to this uh, earlier in the week, and we had sort of a, a chat about it. But basically, one of the things, as complexity increases in EVE Online, um, it becomes ever harder to basically provide like the basic infrastructure and utilities. Like, for example, if you have an apartment, you want to have water, power, heat, uh, you know, all the good stuff, the basic things that you need to survive in that apartment. Uh, and if you are an EVE Online Alliance and you need to have all these various functions to get to the content you want to have, you know, at a certain level, you need people handling the logistics, you need people handling recon, you need to have people handling finance, you need a, a tremendous amount of work and infrastructure and systems. And if we're honest about it, I mean, bureaucracy, institutional bureaucracy is required to get to the point, oh, you lost a ship and you don't want to spend a week like ratting or mining to try to get it back. You need to have a state-sponsored reimbursement system, basically a social safety net. I remember people talking about uh, one of the best analogies that I saw during the blackout controversy was people were discussing how, um, in one particular Reddit thread, uh, how essentially modern EVE blocks had become what they described as social democracies on crack. And I, I think it's really true. Like you've seen, uh, there are military advantages to having all of these sort of social democratic structures that then enable players to go to war. And one of the things that we're seeing is when you have these smaller entities, a lot of times when they, they burn out and they fold into a, a larger entity, um, it can be very interesting, right? Because what happens is that uh, the management layer of the smaller entities uh, is just burned out from trying to provide all these, you know, services and infrastructure, uh, or they just don't have the the bench that's deep enough talent-wise to do it, and then they, they fold into another entity. And one of the things that was really interesting that we were talking about uh, before the show uh, during the prep for it is that uh, there's an example, and we'll dig into this next week, so this is going to be the breadcrumb that takes us to next week, uh, is there is a corporation that left... Pandemic Legion, which used to be like the big elite, oh my god, everybody wants to be in PL uh, if you're like an elite PvP or like kill-death ratio dude. Uh, that corporation left Pandemic Legion and joined Pandemic War. And the impact on the stats of that corporation were amazing. Suddenly this corporation that was just slowly dying in, uh, uh, in, in Pandemic Legion, rotting away, uh, a long, a long-time corporation that has actually a very recognizable name. We'll, we'll talk about this next week. Uh, and then they, their stats, their engagement, everything suddenly went up once they joined Horde because Horde, being an empire, has this institutional bureaucracy to handle a lot of the bullshit that was draining the will of the elite PvPers to to play uh, within Pandemic Legion. So that that is really an example of a success story. But there's good and bad with this. Like, sure, you can have a, a group uh, fold into an empire and then get access to the bureaucracy and the infrastructure to handle all the bullshit that people don't want to handle. But on the other hand, is this natural period of consolidation squelching ambition and talent? And if you compare that to what we're seeing with the rise of small uh, sort of constellation-sized states in Vale and Tribute, which is the last area that we in the Imperium paved over when we uh, purged in Sidat and then we left, um, you know, is there really a cycle of galactic consolidation? Because we might also be seeing uh, these new empires or new states springing up in areas that the blocks paved over. Uh, there are arguments for it one way or the other, and it's something that I am uh, genuinely interested into uh, digging into. And Jay Amazingness, of course, has uh, given up the, the answer as to what corporation we're talking about in chat. Uh, so that is, of course, uh, BUSA. Um, so, yeah, we'll be talking about that a lot. Uh, next week, and uh, I think this is about time for me for me to call it and say goodbye to everyone. Um, Brisk, any last words before I, I tell everybody goodbye? I, I'd just like to say, again, thank you all for the opportunity. I'm enjoying being on the show. I'm looking forward to providing you all with a lot of good content uh, over the coming weeks and months, uh, and I hope that you stay classy, New Eden. Absolutely, and uh, thank you to Brisk. Thank you to Boat. Thank you to everybody for watching this. Uh, we will be back uh, next week, same time, same channel. And, uh, yeah, this has been a delight. Thank you so much, Brisk. Thank you so much to everybody who's been watching. And uh, that's it. That's our show.
the permit. I don't care if you buy a permit. Do you know how little I actually care if you have a permit? <laughs> received no support uh, from that. I, I think Boat has some... Yes, uh, I do! Oh, I got some leaks for you! It's like, can't, simple, can't simple right. shit like that. No, oh, simple oh. shit like that. If he I need, can't answer I need that, to break public... in. I need to break in because I need more original every week. That's that's a goal. Do you really actually get oh, paid for oh. that? Because you, you, you deserve money for that last one. That one I'm was gonna, a fun thing. I'm gonna drink. Set up. <laughs> 